0: Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello and welcome to Talent Talk with Robert Walters. I'm Andy McLean, a journalist and podcaster who has lived and worked in both Australia and New Zealand. In this podcast mini-series, we're exploring what diversity, inclusion and equity really means for employers and employees on both sides of the Tasman. We're going beyond the slogans and behind the scenes to reveal the real benefits, challenges and solutions in hiring and retaining a diverse workforce. Along the way, you'll hear voices and ideas from a whole range of backgrounds. In today's episode, I speak with EY Oceania Tahi Managing Partner Selwyn Hayes and Australia and New Zealand Robert Walters Managing Director Shay Peters. Together, we take a deep dive into how employers can empower their Maori and Pacifica employees and why this representation is so important to the wider community and to organisations themselves. And in particular, we really emphasise that this is not only an obligation for employers, but also an enormous opportunity. Here's our discussion. So so in diversity can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So for the purposes of today's conversation, I'm interested to get your personal take on it. What does diversity mean to you? I guess my perspective
1: is from being an indigenous
0: Maori man and
1: uh, one who's very passionate about Māori or indigenous in development, and so my particular view on diversity is was really around elevating voices that are otherwise unheard. And so for Māori in New Zealand, um, there's a long history and you know lots of discourse out there about the fact that our people, Māori people, have been marginalised and shut out, or otherwise assimilated, or um, even worse uh, in the country's history. And then also, I guess, the nation building uh, that. Uh, uh, continues to happen. And so for me, um, it, it's really about elevating the voice of Māori in the appropriate fora. Um, and so when I take that to a sort of work format, it's, it's really around ensuring that there are opportunities for Māori to participate um, in either an organisation by being hired uh, and or the different levels of that organisation. It's probably not the textbook answer, um, but um, given my passion for Māori development, I come at it from a a Māori perspective, really around ensuring that our voices are in the proper conversations and the proper discussions and decisions of whether it's an organisation or ultimately, in in our case, uh, Aotearoa New Zealand.
0: Uh, That's a much more interesting uh, definition than we see in the textbooks anyway, Selwyn, so thank you for sharing it with us. Shay, I, I, you've obviously got your finger on the pulse of the recruitment market in New Zealand uh, and you kind of have a helicopter view because you operate in so many different sectors. I just wonder when you look at the current state of play in New Zealand, how would you say employers are going with hiring and retaining a diverse workforce?
2: I'd actually say we're probably, we're very cognizant of the fact that diversity is a very important aspect of um, engaging with any workforce and informing and, and any workforce. I think New Zealand as a country understands significantly more that we, we're starting to understand the importance of cultural diversity. But that to me is just one element of diversity. But I think it's one that's highlighted in, in this country, especially with, within the Māori and Pacifica communities, and ensuring um, that those communities have a voice within an organisational format. But for me, it's also looking a little bit wider than it's not just cultural diversity. When I look at an organization, it's the full, it's the full gambit of diversity that I think um, we need to take into account. I think that um, when we're looking at our hiring policies now, and if if you look at some organizations um, have very active ways of um, ensuring that their workforce is diverse, while other other organizations have slightly more passive. Um, ways of ensuring diversity, but they're still cognizant of the fact that it's, it's very, very important. Boardrooms and organisational leadership now understand the importance of diversity in any, in any work environment, but I still think, like I said, we're at the start of the path to how do we engage diversity within the workforce, and how do we ensure that all forms of diversity have a voice to make sure that that organisation is, is moving forwards, so I think is probably overarchingly where I would see things.
0: And so and when you look at things through the, the Maori and Pacifica lens, how would you say employers are faring when it comes to hiring and retaining people from those particular backgrounds?
1: Hard for me to um, answer in, in a general form. Um, one because I won't speak on behalf of Pacifica, of course, and neither should I speak on behalf of all Maori, but I mean from my practical experience, um, I think it really depends on the industry. Given that I'm a partner in a professional services firm, I'll speak from that perspective. Uh, when it comes to Mighty Pacifica, as, uh, as Shay said, um, I think everyone understands that diversity is absolutely uh, a business imperative. It's really around the how. How do they do that? How do they get there? Especially when they're from constructs that uh, have built up over decades in a certain way. How do you sort of break those constructs to actually reach out and attract? and retain those people that uh, the voices have been missing in your organisation. So um, for us in the professional services firm, uh, that has been a journey as well. It sort of has aligned with the growth of the country's uh, consciousness of understanding, one, there are these demographics, two, when it comes to Māori, they uh, are not just a minority, uh, they're an important part of the history and the future of New Zealand and also bringing to life Te treaty the founding document of New Zealand. Um, and as well as that, there's been a growing Maori economy uh, upon which the likes of professional service firms and others are uh, appreciating more the opportunities within. And so really the, the why you need to do it is there. It's really the how, and that takes time when you're trying to deal with these constructs that have been ingrained for a long time. Uh, for us, you know, it's sort of, for me anyway, it's probably started 15, 17 years ago by just having small recruitment events um, that were sort of hosted by Marty, and that would sort of reach out and there'll be a couple of people that come and then over time it grows and then over time there are different ways and means of doing it and then you get more sort of uh, word out there and then it becomes a, a lot easier, but it's still a very hard uh, ask for organisations because the, the why is there and the need is there,
2: but often the the, the talent pool hasn't connected and the talent pool is still growing. Um, I couldn't agree with someone anymore. I think it's um the, the traditional ways, if we look at the tr- traditional ways of trying to attract talent into an organisation through, uh, you know, initially if we if we look back 20 years through a newspaper um, and then you fast forward to job boards, we know these don't these. Uh, mechanisms don't necessarily reach the Māori and Pacifica community. And we know that seeing it firsthand as a, as a recruitment firm when we're working on behalf of our partners, but also when we're trying to recruit directly ourselves to work for our own organisation. So we've had to look at um, different ways and means on how we access um, Māori and Pacifica talent. And I think one of the big things for us, it's it's trying to expand our networks into... Those communities and actually dealing directly with them and finding um, and getting advice from them on how to how to relate and be relevant, I think is a, is a really important message out there. So, there's and and having started down this path, we've actually found there are there are ways and means now and partnerships with professional organisations that are promoting Maori and Pacifica, but it does take a while to to try and break down those. Um, Traditional means and, and explain those on behalf of our business partners as well. So if we're working on behalf of our business partners who also traditionally will pop an ad on a job board to get a result, we're actually explaining no, we have to go down a very different path. And we've we've partnered with organizations to that have direct access into, into those into those ways and means. And we've actually partnered with a with a firm recently because we actually decided the passive way is no longer working. We actually have to be a lot more active and we're partnering with an organisation just to provide Māori and Pacifica interns into Robert Walters which I think is a really important you know piece of that the start of that journey but it's not only that it's because the retention piece is very important after that so even once you fight that battle and you attract Māori and Pacifica talent then it's around what kind of environment are they joining because you you, you have to make sure that your organisation is then set up to support those interns who are coming from, who might be coming from a slightly different background, again, so it's making sure that, you know, it's organizations are on a path, but they've got to be thinking two steps ahead, but like Selwyn said, traditional means of attracting and retaining, they're probably not quite on point, and that's, like, um, we talked about decades of building up these these methods of attracting and retaining, but it's, we have to evolve further.
0: Yes. Selwyn, that's very interesting what Shay's talking about there. And 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 he sort of echoes what you've said, which is I think a lot of employers now are sold on the why. And it's the how, isn't it? That's the that's the challenge. And as and as Shay's pointed out, doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result is kind of the definition of, in, of insanity. So we do need to, to rethink and reimagine the way we're doing hiring and recruitment in order to tap into what is an enormous pool of talent, a very diverse pool of talent, I might add too, within the Māori and Pacifica communities of New Zealand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's on so many levels, including just thinking about how you talk to that audience and how you present to that audience. Um, I think for me and those that have followed, um, we're, we're always um, uh, perhaps more attracted to seeing yourself in the firm or the organisation that's trying to attract you. Um, and when it sounds uh, not Māori and it looks not Mori, it's unlikely to attract Māori. Um And so there's all those different elements to it. And then, as, as Shea quite rightly pointed out, the, the, attract, uh, the attraction part is like a huge hurdle, and then the retention kicks in, and um, there's so much work on different levels. I think what, um, what <clears throat> prompted me uh, was really a thought about some of the inter- intermediaries that are uh, uh, jumping into the space. Um, one in New Zealand is called Tipu Toa. Um, which looks at pra, pra being a bridge between Maori and Pacifica talent looking to uh, go into large organisations and in, in the commercial arena in particular, and so that's modelled off another uh, another similar organisation in Australia called Career Trackers, which was also modelled off another organization in the United States and so you know it's important to have these intermediaries in place to bridge the gap between I guess the supply and demand of this space and at at so many different levels of maturity across the organizations that require the help from really just understanding who is out there um, how do you approach them and sort of helping make those connections to how they retain. And so I I know that there are good organizations, great organizations like Tuputoa, trying to solve that breach.
2: It's interesting when you talk about the intermediaries, we've actually, Tuputoa was the organization that we've just partnered with. You know, one of the reasons, and when we were speaking to um, Tuputoa about us becoming a partner, it wasn't just about someone joining Robert Walters, because what we do is in place talent into organizations. And so that's why we find it very, very important to have, if we can, if we can start to attract and retain modern Pacific talent within Robert Walters, then it becomes a much more genuine message about what we're doing with our business partners, because those people can then obviously attract through their networks and, and word of mouth. And then, you know, if that the the impact they can then have is exponential. So whilst we might we might hire one or two people. The impact that they could have is in 20, 30, 40 people within organisations out in the community that might not necessarily have had that access. And so I think that's why we think it's it's really, really important. And we're in a position of, of responsibility within a labour economy to try, and, to try and grow and develop that even further.
1: Yeah, it's really important for, particularly in the services industry, to walk the talk that starts the journey, makes it more genuine and authentic, but also then no doubt snowballs as um, Shay was talking about the fact that more when you have people come in, their networks then come in and they help you get that momentum that you need. But ultimately, and you know, it's always good to go back to the why, right? This is really important because it's not just about looking good. If you're a serv- if you're in the service industry, it's about understanding the society that you serve. And if you don't have people working in your space or in your team, and you're trying to serve a society that doesn't look like your team, then you are, you know, it's going to be a very hard ask to, to really uh, nail the types of services that society requires. And so it's just, uh, you know, once you get going, hopefully it gets you to ultimately a good space of this is the way. And it's beyond just diversity for looking good or, you know, I've got a great, a better poster of our organisation. It's actually going to provide better services, and therefore, hopefully, makes you a
2: better organisation. We started on this path, and I think it's an important part for any organisation. And you talk about the why for us. It was about education and educating our current workforce on the importance. And um, so, and you'll know this great character, but Dr Kathy Irwin came and spoke to us, and she told us that. We looked white we sounded white our website looked white and therefore you know that challenge was very direct for us and so you know that was it was eye-opening in a certain sense because getting that challenge up front actually opened our eyes and we had to start on that path and think this is not just about the education piece but what's next and I think you know like we talk about it's a it's a, it's a long path but I think organizations once they start momentum will build and they can then they really start to see, the overall impact of what they're doing. And that's when we think, well, that's when we think it, you know, it really snowballs as well. So everyone talks about the war for talent. You then add uh, ethnic
1: or a, a cultural uh, um, imperative on top of that. Um, you're really getting into some rarefied air for some of these people. And so it sort of kicked back, and that they are really in a, in a in a powerful positions now that lots of people are after them. And so, and they, you know, to dif- differentiate yourself, you really need to understand who you're talking to, how you how you need to talk to them, and you know how, what actually is attractive for them. So there's sort of I, I don't know what it is, but I don't know if it's snowball or just a, an intensifying um, whirlwind of once you get into the space, you really need to take a considered approach, take a long-term approach, because there are going to be business imperatives behind every corner that you turn here. And not just the fact that this is, you know, good for New Zealand or good for Australia.
0: You've both talked a little bit about having the right, I guess, support network in place within organizations to ensure that you can get the best out of your workforce and to retain that workforce. So part of the job is is the hiring, but then there's also the retention piece too. Uh, and so, when you've talked a bit about the professional services environment that you work in, I wonder if you could just reflect for us on anything that you've seen at EY that is helping to make the organisation better at getting the best out of their Maori and Pacifica employees? Uh, and empowering them to really maximise their contribution and make them feel valued?
1: Yeah, great question, right? I've been in the space for a while. EY has been working in the Māori space for a long time, um, but we know we're near perfect and we're still on a very much a journey. Um, but some of the things that we've done more recently, um, for example, is to, uh, for the first time, Um, a pointer role that's looking at our cultural capability or our Māori cultural capability across the firm in total. And uh, one of the many reasons why we're doing that is to um, ensure that we are setting a safe space for Māori to express themselves, but, you know, bring themselves to work. Um, But another reason why we're doing that is to, I I guess, empower all Māori and non-Māori um, with the cultural capability, understanding and ultimately in- intelligence so that they can be better at their job for the society that we're serving. And so, again, those, those sort of things uh, connect back into each other and that if the, the firm's more intelligent about this, they're going to be more um, welcoming and more open at encouraging, supporting and retaining Māori talent. And so those are one of the, the things that we've uh, tried to take on before that. And one of the, I'll talk about the other side to it is that before that we did not and it used to fall on the likes of myself and other Māori staff. And that's another trick that when you as an organisation want get, to get into the space and then you rely uh, on your Māori staff or your Māori and Pacifica staff, that is an extra burden that you need to be careful that you're not uh, putting too much on them. Because naturally, we want we want to help one our employees, our, our organisation be better at this, and two, we want to create opportunities for Māori and Pacifica into places like that. But you know, it's a slippery slope that um, you need to be careful that you're not effectively giving somebody who's already got a day job a night job on top of that. And so, you know, a couple of different aspects to that that question.
0: No, that's that's a great um, call out. Thank you for that. Shea, uh, you've obviously involved with a lot of different employers across New Zealand. Have you seen any particularly effective strategies, whether it's in the hiring and retention side of things um, or the sort of search and selection? Like, What have you seen that you think is sort of could be highly impactful and can work really well?
2: The real answer to that is going to be probably in five or 10 years time when you actually see the real impact of some of the strategies that are being put in place now. But I've seen, and I mentioned it before, two very different approaches to trying to get to the same outcome, whether it's an active, a very active approach in terms of search selection and retention, or a, a passive approach where an organisation is cognizant of it, but they're not setting any hard targets. So some organisations I've seen, both within professional services and outside professional services, in a wider organisationally, are now setting hard quotas and targets around um, not just Maori and Pacifica, but a, a number of different forms of, of diversity. Um, we've seen it. Um, we've we've seen it trialled, I think, before within professional services firms within the gender space, where certain um, you know when it when it might have been a certain number of people on a shortlist had to be of one gender or another to balance or to rebalance uh, what an organisation looks like. And I think some organisations are now going to be carrying that on. Um, throughout to the, um, I, I guess, from an ethnic and cultural perspective as well. So so we've seen the hard quota and hard deadlines. But again, you know, we're still relatively early in, in that journey to see whether it has rebalanced that workforce, or well, then you see a slightly more passive approach to um, search and selection where an organisation or recruitment consultancy will be briefed on a preference around rebalancing or, or non rebalancing, and you've got to be careful there around positive discrimination, which we've also got to be you know tread very carefully on. But then, you know, your approach you might we might be approaching through different networks or different different job boards, the starting point, to try and attract different sets of diverse talent. But then when it comes to um, shortlisting time, you wouldn't be set a hard deadline. It's more around what have you done to try and achieve this? So organisations are trying to hold the intermediary to account in different ways um, through hard deadline or soft deadline. But I still think we're very early on in that journey to see what the true impact of that is and whether it is, um, whether it's truly rebalancing workforces.
0: So, and I'm interested in your perspective in terms of looking ahead because there is a natural and understandable feeling uh, that we want progress to happen and we want it to happen now, right? But we've acknowledged in this episode already that we're not where we want to be yet. Do you feel optimistic about what you're seeing? Are you encouraged by what you're seeing amongst employers, generally speaking, in New Zealand? And I guess what more would you like to see in the years ahead?
1: I think in terms of the future, and again, from a Maori perspective, we're going to end up in a better space anyway, because either our children or their children will slowly move the consciousness in the right space, where things will be a lot more balanced, uh, both uh, in terms of diversity and inclusion. But that doesn't mean um, it's naturally happening or is happening fast enough. I think the other the other four force here is probably market forces and that where there is a business to be made, businesses will shift. And so I think there is a confluence here when I mentioned before the fact that the Māori economy is becoming a stronger and more prominent part of society and that forces businesses to shift because of the business imperative. Um, it doesn't mean that that's totally right, but I'm just saying that these are the types of forces that uh, are out there and are shifting it that way um, whether or not people uh, organizations are moving at the moment but yeah i i don't know if that's the question to be fair i think it's you know in my in my perspective uh, particularly in professional services there is it's it's a real hot market at the moment for Mighty and pacifica and so and i think it's because of those two dynamics that it's just it's happening already uh, other industries you know, they, they will kick in uh, when I, you know, I think those forces kick them into. So for me, it's, it's hard to know or hard to say across so many different industries, but definitely in the one that I work in, um, it, it's a very hot market. And so it's moving relatively quickly. I think it comes back to the how, how the organisations do it and how fast uh, they can change and how
2: quickly the supply can present itself kind of just jumping in off the back of that for a second, because I think the point that you really highlighted there that is shifting in a positive way is the impact of the Mori economy in Aotearoa. And I also think that what that presents is an opportunity that wasn't there before. And so I think that's actually going to start to influence supply of talent moving forwards. Um, and it's it's going to be a focus of talent, whereas before that opportunity and that, that financial or commercial impact and the economic impact wasn't there. So I think that presents an opportunity, and I think that natural market forces beyond that will help that supply and drive the supply probably more of that direction.
1: Yeah, just to add to that, the other force that I forgot was just the changing demographics of a of a brown population. So there's plenty of uh, research out there to suggest that in you know the next ten to twenty years, uh, just a larger chunk of the New Zealand population is going to be Maori and Pacifica. And so whether or not you're in professional services or in other industries, you've got to understand and deal with the, a bigger demographic of of your labour force. And and so yeah. Again, that's another force that's happening that's just really pushing things along. And, and for for us, when we talk with a lot of uh, different organisations, Māori, but also a lot of non-Māori, it's trying to get out of the space of obligation versus into opportunity. To pick up on Shay's point, is that you know if you're a strategic business thinking about the future and where the opportunities are, then you you're naturally going to have to deal with um, how do you better engage with either uh, the Māori and Pacifica community as a customer, the Māori and Pacifica community as a strategic partner, um, the Māori and Pacifica community as, um, you know, part of your people and your workforce uh, uh, capacity. So, yeah, there's just, um, you know, there's lots of good reasons to do it, whether it's making you feel good or making you stress about business. There's plenty of upside there if you can think about the opportunity side.
0: Selwyn, Shea, thank you very much for not only painting a picture of where we are now in New Zealand, but where we want to be and also giving us some tips on, on how we might get there through the hiring and recruitment part of organisations. So thank you very much, Shay.
2: No problem. Thanks, Andy.
0: And thank you very much, Selwyn. Kia
1: ora, Andy. Nice to meet you. And yeah, kia ora Koto.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode, which is part of Robert Walter's mini-series Tackling Diversity, Inclusion and Equity from Numerous Perspectives. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can subscribe to our channel and listen to our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.